And there we go, everyone. We are back again for another fantastic conversation and a very special conversation this week on Friday Night Counter-Attack. So this week, um, we are going to assume that Eid has already happened and this is going to be our Eid special podcast of after having a month off um, with Ramadan and fasting and enjoying the, the fruits of our labor as well after fasting for 30 days. Um, we've got someone special, one who we've already had previously, and I can't wait to hear his thoughts on Eid, on Ramadan, on the whole football feel of it as well from a football point of view. And we are going to be talking about some of the best players in world football who are Muslim, and we are going to be talking about how they went through Ramadan as well. So just to introduce my special guest, as always, it's a pleasure. He brings a smile to my face. And we recently had a podcast where um, one of our, um, one of our uh, listeners asked, who was your favourite guest? And I wanted to be PC and I wanted to say this guy straight away, but I had to stay PC and be, and be like, oh, yeah, I am. I'm, I'm not sure, but he's in my top three. So, <laughs> Mr. Daniel Khan, thank you very much for joining us today. I hope you're well, my friend. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good, brother. Always a pleasure to come on the Friday Night Counter Attack and uh, looking forward to getting into it, man. I'm looking forward to it as well. Um, so first things first, there are a few things that I wanted to discuss with you. First of all, how what does Ramadan and Eid kind of mean to you for someone who's working in the football industry, for someone who's worked with football fans as well from uh, that religious background as well? What's it kind of meant for you personally, Daniel? So obviously Ramadan is a is is a unique thing to a lot of uh, a lot of Muslims around the world, um, but it's just a nice it's a nice little. It's a nice way of being able to project what the values that our religion and our culture like bases itself on, because uh, Ramzan has a lot of those things at the at the core. Whether it's charity, whether it's patience, whether it's uh, looking after one another, whether it's uh, humility, all of those things kind of come to the fore big time during Ramadan, and. Um, I I wouldn't say I've been the most uh, stringent and avid faster throughout my life, um, but <laughs> particularly in in recent times, I've seen the value of like before I was just growing up and and spending time with family, and you don't really realize how important that is. And it's only when you get older and you start transitioning as the head of the household that you kind of realize how important months like Ramzan are, days like Eid are to bring family together and just to kind of develop that sense of community that basically made you. Um, I, I love Ramadan in our household. Every iftar, we kind of figure out what we're going to have. And we try not to, we try not to put on a feast unless we've got guests over. We try not to go all out with a feast. What we try and do is focus on a few things that we're going to have and we keep it simple and then we enjoy our meal. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. It always, whenever it comes around, you always think, oh, wow, that was quick. Last Ramzan was a year ago already, but it's going to be really nice to see a lot of family members again. It's going to be nice to read Maghrib together in the garden when the weather's nice and um, certain things like ruavza, like rose syrup mixed with milk or water, certain things that only come out once a year are going to be coming out. So This is, uh, this is why I told you that we're going to record this before Ramadan because otherwise we'll be starving yeah. to all the things that we've got going on as well. So, yeah. so I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the rose water now and not later. I'd be, I'd yeah. be like just in pain thinking about it. Uh, which is good fun. If you don't know about rose water and, and milk and syrup, get to know. Google that. Go to go to your Asda if you need to as well. Yeah. But have you ever been working during Ramadan as well, like at a football event or working with football fans or working? Well, so, for so how's that worked for you? Yeah, so I actually had a shoot which I got booked for, which is the best places to eat outside of the Emirates Stadium on a no, match. No, man. Don't, so they this they is did this on Ramadan. purpose. 
And I, I remember, this on purpose. and I remember, and I was working so hard to get that shoot over the line because I just thought it'd be a really fun idea. Yeah. And then they said, oh, this date, what do you think? And I was like, yeah, sure, let's book it in. As we book it in, going, going, going. Then Ramzan starts and I was kind of looking at my calendar and then I realized what I've, what, what I've booked in with them is bang in the middle of Ramzan. And um, then I'm, I had to call them. And basically the thing is, it's so hard to find a date in the calendar. Like when you, so when you change something, it might not happen for another few months, but I said to them, look, this is the situation. I'm not really, you know, I can't really do a food show if I'm not eating, you know, if there's ways around it where you edit it or whatever, I was like, I'd just rather not do that. So if we can wait till after Ramadan, that'd be amazing. So then uh, that ended up, uh, that ended up happening. Um, what was the okay. best few places near the Emirates? Just so I know. There's loads. There's loads. There's a uh, Jian Impressions, which is like an amazing Chinese spot that does great um, dumplings and really authentic regional Cantonese food, I think it is. Um, so that's really good. Um, there's Just Jerk. Just Jerk is outside. Uh, my guy Neville over there makes amazing jerk chicken. Um, you can get patties and stuff as well. And um, for some hipsters out there, I can't remember what it's called, but it's a really nice coffee shop. It's tiny as hell. But uh, it's right round. It's about a five minute walk from the Emirates around the Arsenal station side. Um, very nice coffee, uh, a little overpriced, but you know what hipsters are like. So uh, there's definitely some there's definitely some nice places. But that was uh, that was one time. But I have been on shoot. I have been on shoot once before during Ramzan. And basically, it's no different to when you're normally on it. It's it's no different to when you're normally on it. You 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 get picked up or you got to be on set for a certain time. And mainly what you're just negotiating with is you know yourself you're just getting through the day um obviously there'll be people there that will be like oh would you like lunch and you're like oh no i'm fasting and then they do that thing where it's as if they've offended the whole of Islam. I'm like, oh my god i'm so sorry i've completely forgot and i'm like that is not a big deal at all i'm it's literally me in this room of 60 other people you don't all have to know that i'm fasting so um but yeah the, it, i like working uh during fasting because uh, the day goes by quicker. And I like to think the whole purpose of Ramadan as well is to actually to actually carry out your day as you normally would while fasting. The, Absolutely. Don't kind of don't just like rest and sleep and do nothing because that kind of defeats the purpose. Defeats the purpose of it because it's easy to sleep uh, all day. So so yeah. Don't worry. I know I know the feeling of sleeping all day and it's not beneficial at all for anyone at all. Uh moving forward. I wanted to ask you as well. When you're talking about Ramadan and that kind of light as well, um, it's a really good point you just brought up about not having to compromise your day, not having to worry about changing your routine. When you see that in certain professions as well, just like you said, with you working um, in football media as well, with me in my own kind of work that I've worked in as well, consistently it's been like, oh yeah, I can compromise, I can't compromise, but I don't want to compromise. When you're seeing it from the footballer's point of view as well, when you're looking at someone like N'Golo Kante, who runs around 12 kilometers minimum per game, and some of these games are like a 12.30 kickoff for Chelsea and it's not going to be able to open as fast until probably 7, 8 o'clock in the evening. How does that kind of inspire you to kind of improve your self-discipline in a way? Because well, for me, all, it's, it's inspired me quite a lot. Yeah, well, first of all, it's a, it's a great sign of... I've always felt like fasting, as well as spiritual benefits, at the fore of it is the great medical benefits. Yep. Um, <clears throat> there are some people that are of the notion that Fasting is incredibly detrimental to the body and uh, it can harm you and you can cause yourself severe uh, illnesses or injuries because your body can't keep up with your normal day of life. But um, 
I think quite the contrary. I think there are people that are, there are fads that people do where intermittent fasting, where they go a whole 18 hours without fasting and they do it regularly. They do that for a reason because it has incredible health benefits. And also the thing about high level Premier League athletes, they're, they're machines at the top of their game. Um, and I think now where we've come in terms of sports medicine and sports science is that they will have tailored plans set by the club to help their body perform at its optimum condition, considering they're not eating and drinking for large parts of the day. So when they are eating and drinking, I'm sure they'll have loads of electrolyte drinks. I'm sure they'll have like tailored meals and, and certain things that are given to them by the club. Um, and I certainly know that's the case at Arsenal as well. Mohamed El Nenny um, <clears throat> had a nutritionalist who was just focusing on his needs during Ramzan. And uh, and yeah, so of course it's pretty inspiring, and and I guess it shows you uh, it shows you what's possible. Obviously, for us to run 10k or 12k during Ramzan might not be the wisest thing because our bodies haven't been conditioned to do that for 20 years. It'd be um, a world full of pain, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But Went running last week for the first time in like five months, and I'm just like, yeah, this is why I just stick to football. This is why I just, <laughs> stick to just like got a small so, pitch to run around with, and that's it. But yeah. running, oh, it's been a while. It's been a so while. hopefully, hopefully, football is doing it at an elite level. Shows people that um, there are benefits to it, and you are able to like if someone can fast and run 12k, then you can fast and not worry about. It affecting your day or your ability to function in an office and stuff like that so uh so um yeah but what i would say is uh what i would say is that ramadan is is uh, and islam and faith in general is, is a very personal thing to different people so do what you do for the right reasons and you know satisfy what you're doing and um and just take take note of the spiritual benefits of of ramadan as well as the health benefits as well Absolutely. Nicely done there, Daniel. So I wanted to talk a bit more about the the performances that we've seen from players being fasting well, during Ramadan as well. So obviously with, with Ramadan, with a lot of people coming up, it happened during the World Cup a few years ago in 2014. It's happened during, um, well, last season, let's start with the easiest one, I would say, Karen Benzema in the Champions League for Real Madrid against Chelsea and against Manchester City during Ramadan as well. My story of this was actually finishing Iftar and actually going back home and then catching extra time, not realising that extra time was still happening in the Chelsea yeah. game. So yeah. I'm just kind of there like, I, I thought Chelsea would have finished this by now um, after coming back at the Bernabeu, but they didn't. It went to extra time and that's how incredible it was. And that goes to show kind of the power of the player in terms of how well they can actually perform with with fasting going on consistently. You, sp you spoke earlier about intermittent fasting, how people have found that more accepting as well um, for just normal fasting at the same time. But were there any kind of moments that you can kind of remember um, from when a player's been fasting during Ramadan or when they've just come out of, um, yeah, just when they've been fasting really and you thought, you know what, that was a clinical performance from them? So I remember, I don't remember the actual... Um like an actual game where there was a, like a clinical performance during Ramadan. But I, I am aware of the Muslim presence in Newcastle's team in 2012 when we had Demba Bar and Papi Cisse where uh, that... And Hatem Ben Arfa as well. Yeah, and Hatem Ben Arfa as well. And that became big news. Uh, like I remember there being a lot of discussion uh, in Newcastle around the club that... And I think Big was Big Sam in charge at the time? Alan Pardew. Was it Alan Pardew? Okay, great. Yeah. And I remember there was a discussion about whether players would be able to function 
uh, under these conditions. And there were doubts, but then they went on incredible runs and kind of, I don't think I've ever heard in the media the idea that players have uh, players levels have dropped in training or in um, or in matches. Um, I don't think I've and and that that is first of all credit to the players, but also credit to the environment that's made around them. Like I remember in the Leicester game last season, was it last season or the season before, where um, Leicester were playing someone and they both agreed like a, an iftar break, like a five minute iftar break for one of the players to be able to have fluids and something. To Two eat. of them. It was Wesley Fofana and uh, Koyate from Crystal Palace. Not Crystal Palace. There we go. Crystal, so, Palace. Crystal Palace and Leicester agreed it, which was yeah. And, and I think I think the thing is that that is the most poignant thing for me that we're at a stage in football. Um, look, football is one of the most corrupt games on the planet. There is no doubt about it. Um, there is a lot of money to be made. There is a lot of power struggle. We're seeing what's happening with Barcelona right now. You know, where we're talking about 17 years of of paying a referee for favorable results. But within that, because football has such a big impact on society, there are opportunities for it to almost speak to society in terms of how different faiths, different cultures should be tolerated. And I think showing during a game that players are breaking their fast or having conversations with them on little Premier League magazine shows about what Ramadan means to them or having a conversation with a fellow fan about, oh, you're not drinking yet. Oh, no, I've got like an hour left and then I can drink some water or I can have something to eat. Having those conversations only helps integration and it only helps um, it only helps us assimilate ourselves more into culture in this country, but also helps people understand us and not see us as so foreign and so ununderstandable, basically. Absolutely. It's just like you said about Denver Bar and Pape Sisa as well. When you're talking about someone like even uh, just right now, Mohamed Salah, who's been at the top of his game for the last six years at Liverpool, how has allowed, uh, well, not he hasn't, but there's been crime rates going down in Liverpool whenever he plays because of how well he's done as well. It's also going to show the impact that Liverpool has had on Muslims inside of Liverpool and just the non-Muslims inside of Liverpool as well in terms of they've understood his faith a lot more, they understand why he does that celebration. And then when he was fasting a couple of seasons ago, it goes to show that Jurgen Klopp even said that out in the in a press conference, he's like, I'm not going to stop them from practicing their religion. It's their religion and we're here to support and supplement them moving forward for, in reference to Nabi Keita, Mohamed Salah, Sadio and Sadio Mane, Mane as well. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. I think I think the Premier League is the standard bearer for a lot of um a lot of uh things that bring people together. As you said, at Chelsea as well, um, despite all their problems, Chelsea are now the first club uh in the Premier League to do an open iftar. So they're doing an open iftar where fans are gonna be able to ha- join an iftar on the pitch, which is the first of its kind. Um I know Blackburn do a lot of incredible stuff. I think Blackburn last year did an Eid. It did an Eid prayer at Ewood Park. They did. Uh, they were going to do it for the second Eid as well, um, but it was rained off the pitch, so they only did yeah. it for that first Eid. Which yeah, so so pretty amazing things uh, going on, to be fair. And uh, I think it's a it's almost now like a badge of honour. Players are even more aware and even more committed to putting on great footballing performances because it's easy for an audience to understand. Like, oh wow, despite fasting like that. Look how committed to he, he is to his faith and look how committed he is to his profession that he's doing both at an amazing level. And um, and yeah, and that links to what you said about self-discipline as well earlier in the podcast. The fact that when you've got a lot of people who are so self-disciplined and so focused on their religion, 
when they're playing a game of football, for example, it doesn't seem like the biggest thing in the world. And that can kind of relate to... it. It's not the best of examples, but I can say it from a Man United point of view that um, Paul Pogba had really good appearances for Man United during Ramadan on yeah. our way to the Europa League final in 2021, scoring against AC Milan, doing well against Granada, doing well in the league against uh, Tottenham, I think he did, which isn't the hardest thing to do, as you and I both know, against Tottenham. But when you're looking at it, you're just kind of there like, he hasn't performed like that all season, but he performs like that during Ramadan because his faith allowed him to focus on more than just football. And when footballers are doing that, and when normal people are doing that as well, it gets them to a a, a higher power that they've not really understood or appreciated before before Ramadan. And I would say that's the same for what I can experience and probably for what you've just said as well, for your own experiences at the same time, Daniel. Would you agree? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Nicely done. That's all good. Right, now, I wanted to kind of ask, it's not going to be a five-a-side like we always do, but I just wanted to kind of know, have there been any kind of like Muslim influences from yourself um, in football, rather football players, football managers, football in the football people in the media, for example, that's kind of inspired you to, I'm not going to say be a better Muslim because who are we to judge, but in terms of become a better person and inspire you to become a, a better person, I would say, Daniel. Uh, I've, I think one of the most prominent figures for me is the earliest, one of the earliest faces that I saw at a Premier League ground that made me think, wow, this is incredible. And that is Dr. Zaf Iqbal. Uh, who, I remember first seeing him on my screens when he was a doctor at Liverpool. Yeah, And I, I used to see, like, I think he was there at the time of Brendan Rodgers as well. But I, w- I would see, like, Steven Gerrard and all these big players. And then I'd see Dr. Zaf Iqbal at the back. And I was like, who's this guy? And he's like, he's the senior doctor. He's like the club doctor for Liverpool. And for me, that was just such an inspiration because it was like visibility of someone that comes from a background that we do operating at such a high level, like literally being a doctor for one of the biggest sports teams on the planet. Um, So that was a huge inspiration for me. Um, And then when he moved over to Palace as well, I've always followed his journey and I've always been keen to kind of, um, yeah, I've always been keen to kind of just uh, follow him. He's definitely the first one that comes to mind when you talk about sports personalities linking to linking to Ramadan or Islam. What about what about you? Though, before I move on to my what, there is a funny story, not really a funny story, but a, a, an odd story about how when he was at Liverpool, there was a player who would frequently come up to him and remind him that it's sunset and sunrise and he'd discuss Ramadan. Do you know who that player is for Liverpool? Hmm. Havaganda. Ma- Mamadou Sako. Luis Suarez. Really? Luis Suarez asked Dr. Zaf about Ramadan because he had uh, teammates at Ajax who was also fasting as well. Yeah. So he wanted to learn more about it from Dr. Zaf's point of view as well. And I've always found that story quite fascinating about Luis Suarez and Dr. Zaf. And it goes to show that anyone can be inspired by it and, and want to learn more about it for themselves as well, which is crazy to see. Absolutely. Right. Inspirations for me. I don't know with kind of inspirations I think Meza Ozil is a big one for me I've always been a big fan of Meza Ozil of I know you I know I know you're smiling inside because of your boy Meza Ozil Arsenal oh and all of that I think he's I think I think he's been a great example of just uh generally like he, he's always not let his principles be wavered by what like we said earlier not compromising for anything but his religion yeah yeah he's been uh he's been amazing there's been scenes where someone's thrown some food at him and he's like taken the food, gestured like as in like blessed with it, and then moved it to the side. Just, just little things that we as Muslims recognize instantly because our grandparents and our parents we grew up 
uh, being told that. But when you're a millionaire footballer and no one really in your life is going to be there to tell you when you're doing things wrong, when you're not doing something right, it's then that it's most impressive that he would do that in front of such a global audience. So uh, Meza is definitely uh, a huge inspiration as well, for sure. Nicely done with Meza Ozil. I do love the guy and I'm pretty sure you love him even more than I do, to be fair. Um, But yeah, like you said, one of my first kind of um, influences growing up, um, seeing a Muslim footballer on the pitch, is Freddie Canute. I've always had a soft spot for Freddie Canute, even if he has played at Spurs, but I just remember more about West Ham United, to be fair, moving to Sevilla afterwards. But again, it was him going into prostration and him making dua as he's walking onto the pitch. It was something that when you're a young man and you're kind of seeing that, not very often on football, on TV, I thought it was quite fascinating to see. Unfortunately, we're in a blessed position where we can see a lot of that now um, on the pitch, um, which which you can see going forward as well. So Freddie Canute has always been a big one for me. And he, um, he, he he's actually worked very closely with the authorities in Sevilla to restore some of um, that region's Islamic heritage. So I think absolutely. That, uh, he was like part of an organisation that was building one of the first um mosques of its kind in in centuries in in Sevilla which is uh I mean when you talk about doing the simple gesture on the pitch but then you take it one step further in your post career it is um is pretty amazing but I can't imagine how cool that must have felt for you I got into football much later so when I think of Freddie uh Freddie Canute I think of him at Sevilla um and I'd heard and I'd heard memories of him being at West Ham and then I'd seen images of him being at Spurs um but like it must have been crazy at that time as well. There was so much less representation and so much less open representation that for him to be um, like going into Sajud like in the Premier League must have been amazing for you to see like a real like groundbreaking moment. The fact that it's still in my mind after just discussing it, just reviewed right now, we could have talked about Benzema, Ozil, Pogba, all the new kind of players, Kante. But Freddie Canute will always stick into my mind just because he kind of did that as well. And I will always respect him for that and appreciate that for him as well. So if you do get the opportunity to ever meet Freddie Canute at one of your FIFA events, Mr. Khan, mention him for me as well. Just be like, sure, oh, yeah, sure. one, one, of, one of my boys is a big fan of you. He didn't support West Ham or Tottenham, but he's a big fan of you. One of the other ones I have to mention, because I haven't really mentioned him that much, is Sadio Mane for me. I think it's just such a gen. And, it, and he shows a true spirit of Islam for me when I when I see him, not just as a player, but when he talks about his religion, when he talks about helping his, his hometown, his own village, his own country, and to try and inspire people by, again, not I'm not one of those guys that wants to go on, oh, he's got a broken iPhone, he's got this, he's got that. It's more in terms of how he represents himself. He's not acting like his... Uh, an amazing player all the time. He's not got the ego about him as well. He's always humble. And I'm pretty sure you would have noticed this as well at the World Cup when you were speaking to your your favourite fan group, your Moroccan fan group, when they were being a lot more humble um, about it as well, getting to the quarterfinals, getting to the semifinals. And you saw with the players on the pitch as well, when they were going, it's not us, it's actually God who's actually helping yeah. us as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That, that was a, an amazing thing. Sadio has been, my brother's a Chelsea fan, I'm an Arsenal fan. But Sadio has been one of our favourite players um, for so long. And not really because of what he's done at Liverpool, because mm. we will, we've will, we seen, we are seeing, and we will see many players operate at an unbelievable level in our lifetime. But it's all the work he's done off the pitch that literally moved my brother to buy a print of Sadio Mane so we can frame it and have wow. it in our living room, literally. It's, it's As you do, as you yeah, do. So the frame is literally right in front of me there. We still need to get the new frame for it so it can go on the wall. But we 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 have a wall in our house where it's kind of like a story wall. So if you ever came over to a house, there's loads of like random things. 
And then it's just something that we can tell a story about. Oh, this is when we were in Barcelona. This is this, this, this. It's just a nice vibe to have in the house. And I, we genuinely thought Sadio Mane was someone worth telling people about because when you talk about footballers, what do you think of? Overpaid, undeserving, flashy, too much too soon. Like all of that, our oh, doctors are getting paid this, footballers are getting paid that. But it is not very often you get to look at a footballer and just totally go that this person has committed themselves to the betterment of their people, their village, and to a top level, not just not just creating a foundation that they can clean up their unpaid tax money in. It is like literally like building electricity resources, building water wells, building school systems, building hospitals. Um, that is real change. And I would be shocked if you asked him why he does this, that if he didn't reference his religion, because um, we get uh, we get a lot of our moral standings of what we should and shouldn't do from our religion and charity um, and helping change other people's lives is, is a huge part of that. Absolutely. It's one of the five pillars of, of our religion as well, which is such an important thing. And when Sadio Mane does that, he doesn't even do it publicly. That's the thing. He just does it out of the goodness out of, out of his heart. There's no PR team behind him. There's no adverts of him advertising help, uh, help out in Senegal. He just does it. And it's just one of those things that people love and appreciate him for as well, um, which is a big thing. Another influence, I would say, uh, I don't want you to blush, but it's you, I would say. Oh, Mr. Well. I'll tell you why. Uh, because basically when you're seeing all of the kind of work that you've kind of done from the beginning. And you've spoken about uh, Nubaid Haroon on one of our previous podcasts as well, being a pioneer for us as well. Every single person I see from a uh, British Muslim background going into sports media, I will see as a pioneer in terms of how they're working as a journalist. I've, I've spoken about Shamoon Hafez previously as well, the BBC sports journalist as well. He had an interview with Sonny Bill Williams. He's spoken to Khabib before. He's spoken to loads of people. He's, he's big on BBC. I've spoken to him. I've said you're a bit very big influence on what we've done at Friday Night Counter Attack. I've spoken to uh, Miriam Walker Khan. I'm not sure if she's Muslim, but um, from an Asian background, very inspirational as well. But even with you, when when you went to the World Cup, it was almost like a family member went. Yeah. And I'll be honest about it as well. It was kind of like when you're seeing someone achieve their, achieve their dreams and get to live out their dreams and all the work that they've done previously about it as well. We've seen people who do the same job as you um, in, from different backgrounds, different ethnicities. Anyone could have done the job, but not any, anyone did. You did the job, Daniel, and you actually worked your way to get there. And that will live on for, for memories going forward as well for you, un understandably. But when you're looking at it from an outside point of view, from my point of view, when you're looking through that feed for kind of um, all, all the videos that you've done, all the Instagram posts that were happening as well, people see your face in front of everything as well. They will see you with all the 32 nations, countries that you got to speak to as well. Um, the fans that you got to speak to, the players you got to speak to as well. It goes to show that it doesn't have to just be someone who's the most popular person to present. It can be someone who's got the most natural ability to present, the one that's got the most likability to present as well. And it doesn't have to do with skin color. And that's what I appreciate about you as well, Mr. Khan. So I do have to give you your flowers as ARG. Thank you, bro. I think I think the the main thing for me is that is always I I didn't start out like that, but when I started to receive feedback like that, like from people like you, people like me, where we come from, what we look like, and what we think of the world, it I realized like what I was doing was a lot bigger than just me trying to be a presenter because I was actively being seen on screen so that people that had any doubts about what they wanted to do could also feel like they could achieve something as well. And Rambo, Nabade Haroon, he did the same for me. And um, it's just a pleasure to do that. I've always wanted us to get to a point 
where we're not seen as Asian broadcasters. We're seen as broadcasters who love football, who breathe football, who can talk about things, who have got personality, who also happen to be proudly South Asian. Um, and that's why I've kind of purposely, purposely like focused on spaces where people like me are not normally on screen, uh, whether it was a major Premier League club in Arsenal, whether it was um, uh, the, the, the influencer platform, whether it was Joe Media at the Sports Personality Awards or at the FIFA World Cup. I just felt like... I'm not used to seeing people like us on there that can that can relate to those sensibilities. So um, it is a privilege of mine to to be one of the people. I still don't. There's still plenty more to do. Um, I don't think what I'm doing is like ridiculously life changing or ridiculously life important. But I do. I am aware of the fact that if I can put my best foot forward on screen as a British Muslim in the football media space. And if I can give other people watching me the a little bit of encouragement that we can do this, there is space for us, there is a demand for us, then I like to think that I've, I'm doing I'm doing something all right, you know? You are doing more than all right there, I would say. So it goes to show that even the even these little small wins, it reminds me of when uh I don't know I don't know if you've seen it, but Denzel Washington said the same thing about when he got into a film set for the first time and he got all of these small wins over the years and then it allowed for a lot more change to happen. And I think uh, Chadwick Boseman did a speech about him um before he passed away at some award shows saying that the Black Panther film would never have happened without Denzel Washington. So with people like you, with people like um Nabed Haroon as well. Uh, it goes to show that there are people being pioneers in this industry, in this football industry, like you said, being a corrupt industry that it is, but you're still making your ways through to become the person that you are and, and the presenter that you can be as well, which is unbelievable. Spoken about footballers, we've spoken about doctors, we've spoken about presenters as well. Are there any other key influences um, from our religion that you can see in the football industry, Mr. Khan, before we wrap up this part of the podcast? Um, I just think I just think that we've become... Like the, the influx of Muslim f- uh, football players has always been there. Um, there's there's like a mistaken identity that in the UK, mainly Islam is associated with brown people with beards. Mm-hmm. So there's not to there's not any nearly enough of them in the English football pyramid. But as far as Islam goes uh, and Muslims go, when you look across West Africa, when you look across East Africa, when you look across North Africa, when you look across mainland Europe, when you look across places like Albania, um, when you look across like France, um, there, there's there's a huge um, there's a huge identity of Muslim football players that has always been there. And just as I touched on before, I just think it's amazing now that it is now normal on social media for clubs like Man United, Arsenal, Chelsea, Spurs, whoever to write Eid Mubarak, to write Ramadan Mubarak on their social media pages to their millions of people. It is amazing that uh, the BBC will run a feature where someone goes and interviews, uh, I think, was it Roman Saiz? Who's, uh, yeah, it was Nabade who interviewed Roman Saiz yes, about Ramadan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so it's amazing that they would run a feature on Roman Saiz uh, and uh, on such a global platform and have conversations about um what it what what it means to be a footballer during this time and um and activations all over the place i know arsenal are really big on it they actually had jeremy corbyn at an open iftar um last year as well um which was amazing to see as well so i think 
I don't now pick up on I don't now pick up on specific influences that Ramadan has on the game. I'm just very happy that like that part of our culture is welcomed with open arms into the biggest global sport in the world. So it's pretty cool. It is very very cool and it's, it's very very uh, encouraging as well because it goes to show that there's so many people out there that can learn about it that can um, feed off it as well. Especially when we had the first Muslim hosted World Cup back in November as well. A lot of people learning about it from all the nations of the world, not just the 32 nations that went there. They all learn about Qatar in their own way, learn about Islam in their own way as well, which I thought was absolutely incredible, which was really good. All right then, Mr. Khan, I will leave you to it. I just want to say thank you very much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on this part of the podcast as well. I do wish you a very happy Ramadan and a very happy Eid as well. And hopefully we'll see each other after Eid, uh, long overdue. I've also got to invite you this summer to a foot golf game. So I've got to, I've got to challenge you to a game of foot golf. I'm ready. I'm ready. I am so I'm going to be so bad at it, I already know. But just the idea of being able to do it is good enough for me. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping my... Uh, my 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 Muslim my Muslim brothers in the Arsenal men's team uh, can can galvanize and inspire the rest of our team in some way so that on the other side of Ramadan I'm still as happy as I am now. So uh, come on, you gooners! I mean, if you're gonna see, if you if I see you, you have to wear an El Nenny kit to be fair. <laughs> yeah, for if sure. You got, for sure. If you've got an El, El Nenny kit or a Jacket kit, that would be really good as well. Um, but no, everyone, thank you very much for listening to our special podcast on Eid and Ramadan as well and what it means to us um, as well. So everyone, thank you very much for your time. Daniel, as always, thank you very much for your time. Take care and see you later.